Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. When you finished high school, did you take a while to find your feet? I know I did. Did you pursue a course at uni and then realise down the track it just wasn't the right choice? Yep. It happens a lot, a lot, and it happens even to those who've spent a heap more time and a heap more money on becoming a doctor. Often they don't know what they're getting into until they're in the middle of it and they feel miserable. So who do they turn to for help? They turn to today's guest. Jo Healy herself is a doctor who has changed her own career to help others on their medical professional journey. She runs Insight Medical Careers, and much of what she says makes sense, not just for other doctors, but for all of us who are on our own career journey. Hi, Jo. Thank you so much for coming on Tea with the Queen today. It's lovely to have you with us. Hi, Emma. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm going to jump right in and ask you to tell us, what does a medical career coach do? Well, my goal as a medical career coach is to help doctors have a career and a life that they love. Now, that means different things to different people, but I see my role as helping people to be clear about their own strengths and their values and to apply that to their career so that it fits in with the rest of their life. And in practice, what that means is I help people at the beginning of their career decide on what specialty they want to go into. Once they've decided on their specialty, I help them prepare for interviews because it's really competitive to get into specialty training. And then a lot of my work is people down the track who don't really like what they originally chose. And so I help them work out a new direction. So I'm working with with people at all stages of their career and at all ages, but overall, my aim is to help people have a career that they love. I think it's awesome. I think everyone should be in a career they love. That's my gut feel. So I love hearing you say that. Tell me, what do you do when a doctor comes to you and says, "Mm, Joe, I don't like being a doctor. I want out. The first thing I tell them is that they're not alone. A lot of people feel like that but they feel like they're the only person who feels like that. So especially in the last couple of years, there have been a lot of people thinking that, you know, medicine may not be the right thing for them. So I reassure them that they're not the only one. And then I tell them that there are lots and lots of options for them, both within medicine and outside of medicine. I've had people who've gone into a huge range of things. So some people stay in medicine and they go into things like public health or, you know, hospital administration. 
might go into things, something like digital health. But I've had people go, I had a woman who went into buying property and doing it up and selling it. And right at the moment, I've got a client who's baking for a mobile cafe. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing that they come to you and then you give them some space and time for them to figure out that actually, yeah, I don't want to do this. So they get out. Well, absolutely. And the other thing that I say to everybody is it doesn't need to be all or nothing. So you don't have to just completely walk away from medicine. Often people find that just being able to say, "Mm, I don't like where I am and maybe reduce their hours and do something else on the side makes what they're doing feel more tolerable. Yeah, that makes sense. What about you? How did you get into the work that you do and what's your been your own career journey? Uh, well, this is actually one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about helping people with their with their careers because I wish I'd had some better advice when I was a junior doctor. Yeah, you wish you'd had you. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there was no me. In fact, until a few years ago, there was no me. There was no people doing this. So when I was a junior doctor, the thing that I really loved was obstetrics, so delivering babies. And I did that for a few years, but I decided that the lifestyle didn't really work. In the meantime, I'd had a few babies of my own and I decided that I, the training just wasn't going to work for me. So I'd kind of been fiddling around and I was 30 and I had three children under three when my husband was diagnosed with cancer and we were told he probably had about six months. Oh my goodness. So I then had to, I was working part-time, I didn't have any specialty training and I had to make some fast decisions and I was already helping out a bit in medical admin and so I thought, well, that seemed like the most family-friendly specialty for me at that time. I I could keep doing nine to five, I could work it around my kids. So that was the specialty I went into. And I have actually ended up having quite an interesting career. I've done lots of work with junior doctor education and training. I worked for our medical board in New South Wales for years, which was really interesting. I worked for a medico-legal company. But for a long time, I kind of wished that I hadn't left patient care. And I wished that I had had better advice about, because I realised there actually were other options for me that I could have gone for. And how I ended up here was that a few years ago, it's about seven or eight years ago now, two of my children, despite their mother's advice, went into into medicine and um, they were medical students. And I would often find myself sitting around the kitchen table with them and their mates talking about specialty choices and things. And I thought, gee, there must be somebody who's doing this. You know, there must be better career advice now. And I went looking and there wasn't. And I thought, hmm, that's something that I really like. I'm really passionate about it. I like talking and I actually know a lot about the system. So that's actually where Insight Medical Careers came from. I love that. And for our listeners, how is your husband now? Because ah, I don't want them to think. Oh, I forgot him. <laughs> I forgot him in the story. <laughs> he's alive. Yay. <laughs> he's alive and well. Um, so I could, I could actually have taken a bit more time to make a better decision early on. <laughs> I just, I didn't want to leave the podcast and someone go, what happened to our husband? <laughs> Actually, that's something I tell all my interview prep people when they're, when they're telling an anecdote in their, in the interview, don't forget to tell them the outcome. Yes. So- <laughs> I love that. I love that. And tell me, so who are your clients and what do you help them with? So they're doctors across the whole career spectrum. So early on, 
I am helping people, sometimes late medical students or people in their first couple of years, decide on which specialty will, will suit them. A lot of people kind of a couple of years in who are applying for specialty training, so for people who aren't medical, specialising as a surgeon or an anaesthetist or an obstetrician or whatever, it's really, really, really competitive. And so these days, you know, a lot swings on the interview. So I do a lot of work with people preparing for interview. And as I said, deal with a lot of people at all stages of their career who've decided that they don't really love what they're doing right now. And so we're looking at what the alternatives might be for them. Yeah. And it it sounds like a lot of trainee doctors or newly minted doctors are unhappy or confused. Why is that, do you think? Unfortunately, yes, they are. And I mean, I think in the health system at the moment, it's not restricted to trainee doctors or even to doctors. I think there are a lot of reasons why people are unhappy. Some of the common ones that I see, especially among junior doctors, are that medicine wasn't actually what they expected it to be. I think it's a bit kind of romanticised or, you know, glorified perhaps as a, as a profession. And actually working as a junior doctor is, is really hard work. And that competition that I was talking about is really difficult for a lot of people to deal with. So I think that's kind of reality, not meeting expectations is, is part of it. Some people, and this is still the case, this used to often be the case, but it's still the case. Some people did medicine because it was somebody else's dream and not theirs. And that really upsets me. Oh, that um, makes me sad too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm. And it's very, very hard to, you know, kind of go against the family, it's usually family, expectations. And I mean, the other reason, as I said, that a lot of people are unhappy at the moment, and it's everyone, is because the pandemic has just meant that people are just completely exhausted, burnt out, questioning their career paths. And the problem is, as more people leave the system, the ones who are left are under even more pressure. And as I said, that's not just doctors, that's nurses, that's physios, that's everybody. It's, it's a really, really stressed system at the moment. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? How does a trainee or a junior doctor know what specialty to take? I mean, if you decide I want to be a doctor at an early age, do you kind of know what specialty to take or are you just like I want to be a doctor and then you work out the specialty later? What, which order does it work in? A little bit of both. There are some people who go into medicine with a really clear picture of what they want to do, but I think they're probably the minority especially amongst people who go in straight from school. So there's a bit of a mix now. You can you can study medicine as an undergraduate straight from school or as a graduate. So those people have got at least got a degree but often another career behind them. Particularly some of the older people I think have more of an idea of what they do, but what they want to do. But most people get towards the end of medical school and feel pressured to make a decision because of that sort of competition for specialty training. And often those decisions are based on things like what they've seen, you know, the terms they've been exposed to, the people they've been exposed to. So they might have done a term where there was a really, really nice team and they thought, oh, I really like this and that's influenced them. Or it might be that somebody has said to them, oh, hey, you're really good at this and you should go for that specialty. And the problem is they're making decisions on kind of incomplete information. And there's no 
process of self-reflection in any of that. So the unis try to deal with this. The medical schools have kind of career days where like a surgeon might come along and say, this is what it means to be a surgeon and this is how you do it. But there's still nothing saying, hey, look at yourself and think about what would suit you. And I think that's the mistake that people make. So what I would like everybody to do, and and for the people who come to me, this is exactly what we do, is to think about themselves first. So what are my strengths? What are my values? How do I want my career to fit in with my life and not the other way around? And so ideally that should be happening in like the last year or so of medical school so that then people can kind of come up with a little small list and then narrow that down. But what happens is they think, oh, I think I like paediatrics and I'll go for that. And it's not till somewhere down the track that they realise what the realities of paediatrics are and that maybe it doesn't actually suit them. Mm. And I wonder, I mean, it's a long time in medicine school. Do some doctors find it hard to leave medicine because they spent so much time and money in education and training? And so they stay, but they feel miserable about staying? Absolutely. The thing about a medical career is it's a bit like a treadmill. So you you hop on when you start as a medical student and then you make your way through, you come out as an intern and then you, you, know, you, you choose your specialty, you get into specialty training, come out as a specialist on the other end and you live happily ever after. But, you know, that just isn't how people feel about it all the time. But stepping off that treadmill can be really, really difficult and really scary because even though there's some uncertainty about getting into training and things, there's a certainty about the path and I think stepping away from that is actually really challenging for people. There are a couple of other things. I think for a lot of people their identity is quite wrapped up in being a doctor and there's it's hard to move away from that. And the other thing is, and we don't talk a lot about this, but there's actually quite a lot of shame in, in thinking about leaving medicine because it's seen as such a good career, you know, you're helping people and everything. Almost universally, when I say to people, oh, have you, who have you talked to about leaving medicine? They haven't talked to many people, but, but whoever they've talked to has said to them, oh, you can't waste all that training, you know. And even from their colleagues who actually are often unhappy as well. <laughs> but, but there is a real overlay of guilt when, when people think, are thinking about leaving. So by the time they come to me, they've often kind of hit rock bottom they're very unhappy. And really what I say to them then is don't do anything kind of immediately. You need to just take a breath, take a step back and really think about, you know, what you want in life before you start making decisions about where your career is going to fit in with that. It's hard though, isn't it? It's hard to think about that. You don't know how you're going to be if you're single, you don't know how you're going to be if you get married or partner up or have kids. Like you're asking them to think way in advance yep. about yep. what life might look like with three kids under, do you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Absolutely. But so much better to at least try and do that thinking <laughs> because by the time they come out, you know, doctors are at least kind of 23. Now that's not... <laughs> In the scheme of things, that's not that old. But, but you know, they've got a little bit of life experience and a lot of them have got an idea of, of how they see their life unfolding in terms of kids and, and partners and, and things like that. Now, things can change. But they've started to form some values in terms of what's going to be important for them in life. But nobody says to them, you actually should think about that 
before you decide what you want to do as a career. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, your advice, I love your advice because it just a little bit sounds like mum advice, um, you know? <laughs> I do sometimes. <laughs> I actually sometimes apologise to, to my clients because my kids are that age. So, you know, I've got kids in their late 20s, early 30s, and so a lot of a lot of the people I work with are the age of my kids. And at times I say to them, I'm sorry, I'm going to sound like mum here. But that's actually one of the things that I love about it. I don't see them like my children. I see them as, you know, capable, responsible adults, which my children are too, I must say. It's not so much that it's maternal, but I do enjoy that role of having the extra years and the experience and the wisdom that that has given me to kind of shortcut things for them, to hopefully help them avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Yeah, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Has the medical profession changed much since you started in it? That's a bit of a yes and no. In some ways it has and in some ways it hasn't. And, And there's kind of positives and negatives. I think one of the big positives is I think medicine has become more diverse. So... Now, at least, I think it's above 50% of graduates are women now. There's also a broader kind of social and cultural mix in medicine than there used to be. And that's so important because medicine should reflect the community that we're looking after. So I think that's a real positive. Unfortunately, in my experience, I think there are still some really entrenched stereotypes. And so the path for women and for people from from other backgrounds still has some barriers. And so there are still areas like, for example, in some of the surgical subspecialties, there's less than 10%, I think in some of them it's like 2 or 3% of the surgeons are women. So training happens through what we call colleges and the colleges are really, really aware of that and they're doing things to to address it. But there's still quite a long way to go. And one of the things that I've really come around to and that I really want to focus on as as I go forward with my career is helping women in medicine. So helping them feel more supported and kind of opening up discussions about how we can do things better. So I've got a plan for later this year for a, um, a group program for women doctors. And I want to kind of use that to explore the things that hold us back and I want to use it to talk about things like what does success mean in life, not just in career? How do you fit your career in with the rest of your life? What are the barriers we face and how do we address them? How do we set good boundaries? You know, these things are not unique to medicine. These are just universal issues. It's going to be a small group. I want to set it up to be really collegiate and like a little community where we really support each other and kind of cheer each other on. So that's my little little kind of thing that I want to do to try and address some of the issues for women in, in medicine. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like your advice is aimed in at the medical profession, maybe specifically at women, but it could also be relevant to anyone in whatever job or role they've got, right? So what you're talking about with your group program is, we all need help working out what we want in life. We all need help with our boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. Is it fair to say that, I mean, you could stretch outside of the realms of the medical profession with this stuff? Oh, absolutely. This is, as I said, this is compl- absolutely not restricted to medicine. And in fact, 
part of the thing that's got me thinking about this has been getting involved in some of your programs and the things that you have set up to support women in business uh, I can see are applicable in, in specifically in medicine because we've gotten we're really not that good at supporting each other. I think. Do you, do you think that comes because it's so competitive? Do I do think, think that's some of it. And again, it's not through lack of trying. There are you know women in medicine groups, and and there are there are people attempting to do things. But I think I think it's actually quite hard for a lot of people to to access that or to feel that they're part of it. And I think although on one level people do have sort of collegiate relationships with the people that they work with, they also know that they're competing against them to get the jobs that they want. And so I want to kind of step away from that. And part of what I see with this is that it will allow people to form connections with people that are outside of that normal network. So some of the people who I've already been talking to it about are from different specialties, different hospitals, um, at different levels of training. And so I see that kind of bringing that, that all those different experiences in will take that competition element away from it and we can just be there and support each other. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Of course, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love any kind of community. I love taking out the competition. And I think that um, we can do more together when we you know, get our heads in the right space and we're not always feeling like we have to compete. So my last question for you is any general advice or or tips that you can give to those who might feel like they're stuck in a rut or not happy in their current job or the direction that they're going? What would your top tips be? I think my first tip would be to recognise that you're not alone. Lots of people across all areas of life and work feel unhappy in their career at times and I think that's all been exacerbated in the last few years you know I think that's it has brought a lot of things to a head but it can feel very isolating when you realize that you're just not happy with where you are and and you you know it's hard to know who to turn to and so really importantly I think the next thing is to have the courage to reach out for help one of the best things that I have done in my career is to start coaching with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but, but I genuinely mean it because it's given me the space and the opportunity to reflect on where I am. And it's not because I was unhappy in my in my career at all. I, I love what I do, but I felt like I needed some some help with direction, and it's given me that. It's given me a bit of accountability, and I think that. Whatever area you're in, recognising that there, there is help out there and that it's okay to ask for help, I think is just a universal lesson. Yeah. And I also think life's too short to be in a job you don't like. Absolutely. Just make sure it's the job you don't like and not the boss, right? Because sometimes, not for us that work solo, but for those people, sometimes I see people come to me and they're like, I don't like my job. And when we actually drill down, it's actually the boss they don't like or it's actually the boss that they've lost trust with or whatever. And so you have to kind of peel back the layers. But sometimes you just can't do that on your own. Oh, very much so. And that's the same in medicine because a whole lot of the people that I work with about career change don't end up changing careers. They might end up changing jobs or modifying how they work, but they don't end up leaving medicine. I love that. Thank you so much for your insights, Joe. It's been wonderful. Well, one, it's been wonderful to work with you. And two, 
I just love what you're doing. And I know that the medical profession, as the years go on and as we kind of get out of this pandemic piece, that your work will be more needed and more needed. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.